Hello, my name is Carl Lloydhauser. I am the senior pastor of Grace Community Church, and I am so excited that you are with us on this podcast. We also want you to get connected in a church family. If you don't have a local church, check us out at gracemontrose.org. We want to make sure that you have an opportunity to grow and connect with God. But we pray that these next 25, 30 minutes that you spend with us are powerful, that God meets you and speaks to you because He loves you so much. I want to welcome everyone who's joining us online. Uh, we love you. Thank you so much for taking the time to be here. We pray that God is uh, meeting you in a big way uh, right now as well. So as I'm talking about prayer, the 21 days of prayer and fasting, this last week uh, I've been fasting media. And uh, I am amazed at how many times I look at my phone. I'm like, oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. And I mean, like, we are just completely connected to those things. And you know, every statistic, all the research says that it is not good. It is not good for us how much time we spend on these things. And so um, I'm going to actually turn this, for me, I'm turning it into a lifestyle. So this isn't going to be just a a fast. This is going to be a new way of living. And so I have discovered, I'm sure you know, uh, there's probably like three uh, main news websites. And that's I spent a lot of time looking at the news all day long. I've blocked all three of them on my phone. I can't get to them anymore. If I find new ones, I'm going to block those ones too. And I'm just like, I'll check the news once a day on my computer and that's it. I'm done with doing that. And then uh, you can also limit the amount of time uh, that you can spend on an app. But there's this one app where like I manage a baseball team, you know, and um, I, I was like, okay, I'm done with that. And, and I made it so I can manage my team for one minute every day. And we're just going to see. I mean, that's it. Because uh, I'm tired of what it does. I have a, a good friend in my uh, D group. And he came and he's also fasting media. And he's like, I can't believe it. He said, I have like 30% more bandwidth in my head. And, and, like they're, oh, and you know, you can use that stuff for something else besides scrolling and besides media. And so I just, I, I want to urge you, church, to be free. Be free of this. This, this owns us. And uh, that is no one gets to own us except Jesus. So, so get free of that stuff, okay? And so I'm going to get free. I'd love to see you get free as well. So anyway, we're talking about prayer. And um, I found what I think is just about a perfect clip of how you should pray at least if you're a preschooler. Check this out. Amen. I want that little guy to lead our prayer groups here. He's, he needs to come and lead some prayer services. But the disciples, uh, they asked Jesus, they said, hey, teach us to pray. John taught his disciples to pray. Would you teach us to pray? And we're going to go over a very familiar passage. And I'm going to be honest with you. As I was looking at this, I was like, oh, the Lord's Prayer. And as I've been digging into it, it is so rich. And I, I believe that God is going to teach you some things about prayer. I think he's going to help you move to a new level here. I've just been so enriched as I've been studying this. And I can't wait to dig into it. So let's look at it. It's in Matthew 6, verse 9. And this is what Jesus says. He says, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. 
Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Now, when we look at prayer in uh, Scripture, we see that the, the Bible tells us over and over again that we pray constantly, we pray continually, we pray about everything. We've got a few passages here. I just want to show that to you. So in Thessalonians, it says, Rejoice always, pray continually. When? In all circumstances. Look to the Lord. And this is back in the Old Testament. Seek His face. When? Always. Ephesians tells us, Pray in the Spirit on all occasions, all kinds of prayers and requests. Timothy, I want men everywhere to pray. Where everywhere to pray, lifting up holy hands. And I love this in Philippians. Do not be anxious about anything, but not in most situations, not in some situations, not in the difficult situations, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And so we know that we are to be praying every moment. It's this conversation that we're having with God, bringing everything before him all the time. And in the Lord's Prayer, did you notice that it doesn't say what to pray? It says, teach us how to pray. Very different. Now, if you grew up in a tradition like mine, I grew up every week we would go and we would say the Lord's Prayer. Just word for word we would say it. And there's nothing, nothing wrong with that. But if that's as far as you go with the Lord's Prayer, if that's what the Lord's Prayer is to you, I want to tell you there is so much more. Because it actually, he, this isn't a what to pray. It's not like, well, make sure you say these words. This is a how to pray. This is a model to pray. So hutau is the word. Huto, excuse me, is, is the Greek word. And it means in this way. It means this is the model. I'm showing you the basic kind of format for prayer, the things you should pray for. And so I would submit to you that it's not just the things you should pray for, but it should be the things that you care about, right? Because your prayers reveal your concerns. I think about, okay, I've got a journal, you know, and I write down prayers just about every morning. And if you look through that journal, the hundreds and hundreds of pages I have in multiple journals, you know what you're going to find? What I care about, right? You're going to see all sorts of prayers for my family. And you're going to see all sorts of prayers for you and for this church. And you're going to see a lot of prayers about me because that's something I care about, right? And we pray for what we care about. So uh, it's uh, Alistair Biggs. He, he says it this way. He says, it is our prayers which reveal the preoccupation of our lives, which can be unashamedly selfish and self-oriented to the absence of the great concerns of the kingdom of God. And so I want to submit to you that this isn't just a model for how we should pray. It's actually a model for how we should live and a model for what we should be concerned about and what we should care about. And so I believe that the Lord's Prayer is God's Jesus direction for our cares as well as our prayers, all right? And so we're going to jump into this and we're going to look at it line by line. And I think you're going to find some powerful things here. We could probably spend a week on each one of these lines, but we're not going to. We're going to go through the whole thing right now. So let's go through the Lord's Prayer. You can just keep your Bible open if you'd like. It's also in uh, your bulletin there. And it starts, Our Father in Heaven. Now this is really cool. Now, uh, so, now there are plenty of religions in history that call God Father. For example, the Greeks, they would call Zeus Father. But according to Expositor's Commentary, and I, this is so amazing, that before Jesus, there is no written evidence anywhere of anyone ever calling God Abba. Isn't that neat? The first person in all of history ever to come to God and say, Abba, Father, was Jesus. Now, if you look at Abba, 
And so it, I, look, I was studying this in the Vines uh, dictionary. And it said, Vine says, this is a word that would come from the mouth of a toddler or an infant. So it's like daddy or even dada. And Jesus is the first person in all of history who comes to the father and says, daddy. Now the word Abba that Greek word, we find it three times in the Bible. There's only three times that it's used. And the first time is Jesus himself. It's in Mark 14, 36. And it is one of the most vulnerable, tender moments in all of history. It's when Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane and he's about to face the cross. I mean, this part where he's just crushed with the weight of our sin bearing down on him, that's when he says, Abba, Daddy, Father, the first time this has ever been said. Isn't that amazing? Everything is possible for you. Take this cup for me, yet not what I will, but you, what you will. Oh, daddy. Isn't it amazing? And then, and then the cool part of it is, is in the next two times it's in the Bible, it's for us. Because we have the spirit of Christ. We have the spirit, the Holy Spirit living within us. And so now we get to come into that same connection and that same relationship. So the next time we see it is in Romans 8, 15. And it says, the spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And here it is. And by him, we, you and I, we get to now cry like no one else in all of history ever got to cry, Daddy. Father, because you are his sons, in Galatians 4, 6, God sent the spirit of his son, so this is the third time it appears, into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. Abba, Father. Now, Father, you notice they're always connected. And, and, and the Greek for Father is pater. All right, so what we have here is we have two things that are happening when we say our Father in heaven. And we have the daddy, we have this tender true, intimate, kind, just attentive daddy. And then we also have a powerful, full of authority, worthy of all our praise and respect and honor, father. He is our Abba father. Is that how you pray? Is that who you're praying to? You know, have you ever, uh, you ever watched um, the staff kids around here after church? Have you noticed that they're just like running around like crazy? You know, most of the stuff that gets broken around here is because of the staff kids, Right? And there's been more than one times, like after we have a baptism, you know what I find is I'll go in there and there's like three or four staff kids like splashing around playing in the baptismal. And, and, and so you know, the thing is, is that they're just comfortable here. They spend a lot of time. They are not impressed with me that I am a pastor. They do not care, right? And they're not impressed that their mom or their dad is on staff or is a pastor, right? They have this beautiful familiarity. This place to them is safe. It's known. Right? And see, that's the same way we get to approach God. This beautiful familiarity, like he's my daddy. And at the same time, he is my father, full authority and power. He's my provider and cares for me. Isn't it beautiful that that's how we pray? See, see it's not just like our father who art in heaven. It's to come in and remember who he is. Who is he to you? And then we say, hallowed be thy name. And hallowed just means holy. It means honored that your name is set apart. And see, this is a great way. Any prayer that you're going to start, remember, this is the model to praise. So remember to start with praise. Oh, God, you are, you are holy. You are good. You are beautiful. You know, thank you is a bonding word. You know, you, you give something to your kids and you say, now, what do we say? Yes, that's right. We say thank you. 
Because there's a bonding that takes place when we say, thank you, you're welcome. There's a connection here. I was up um, skiing uh, just last Monday, and we were talking about snow. And we're like, what a good idea snow was. Like, I mean, God thought of that from nothing. And it's this wonderful storage system, and it's so nice when there's a lot of powder to ski on. It's just an incredible thing. And I was like, oh, God, thank you for snow. And as you do that, isn't it amazing when you give him praise and thanks, how your heart just grows closer to him? You fall deeper in love with him? You know, God doesn't need your praise. Praise is for you. He's not sitting around thinking like, well, I'm just kind of unsure about myself. Would you tell me again who I am? No, he's complete. He's fine. He is in need of nothing. Praise is for you. And when I'm praising God and I'm lifting up his name and I'm loving my wife like I should and I'm loving my kids like they need to be loved and you know, I'm loving you like I'm supposed to, it's like everything's just lining up. I'm like, this is Carl as he should be. And when we come into prayer, we start with praise because it lines us up with who he is and it changes us. And I want to remind you that it's hallowed be thy name, that everything, it is all for his name. Any influence that this church has, any favor that I have, any gifting that you or I possess, it is all for his name. It is all for his glory, for the beautiful name. We live for his name. And I'm going to take you back just for a minute. I want to just say something about the third commandment because I don't think churches ever talk. I don't think I have ever talked about the third commandment. You shall not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. This is a holy, powerful, beautiful name. And you see a number of names for God. Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, the Everlasting Father. Mighty God. That's who he is. It shows his characteristics. It shows his power. Yahweh, the great I am. Okay? The the name of God. Listen, every word that we speak, every inerrant word we will give account account for to God. And this name of God, when we hear it at the end, it will shake the very foundations of creation and we use it like a swear word or a word of surprise. Oh my, oh, I didn't know. Listen, guys, this name is holy. Christians, we forgot about the third commandment. And I just want to bring you back. You know, it sounds funny and it's weird and it marks you right away, but we should be the people of, oh my goodness. Oh my word or just, oh my His name is holy, it is powerful, and we must treat it as such. All right, moving on. Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, when people think about that, they often kind of push it out. They're kind of cosmic, you know, like, God, make sure we got the right president. And yeah, we want the right president. But listen, this is actually a highly personal and powerful prayer. It's to bring God's kingdom into your life. And what is God's kingdom? It's not heaven. God's kingdom is his rule and his reign and his authority and his design here on earth. And it's perfect in heaven. And we're saying, Lord, we want your rule, your authority, your design right here on earth, just like it is up there. And then we get to take this in our prayers, in this model of prayer, we take that that request and we make it personal. So, Lord, let your kingdom come, let your will be done in my health. What have I just asked for? Lord, let your rule, your reign, your authority, your design, let that come forward in my health. Or or we pray, Lord, let your kingdom come, let your will be done in my family. You see what we're praying for? 
We're praying, Lord, let this family operate the way you want it to. Let it come into your rule, your reign, your design, your authority. Lord, come and heal this family. And so we could pray for anything. We could pray for everything that would line up with the will of God. Lord, let my kids school. Your kingdom come, your will be done at my kids school. How about this? Lord, let your kingdom come and your will be done in my attitude and my heart. That my heart right now would line up with your reign, your rule, your authority, your way, that I would line up with heaven in everything that I do. Do you understand that that is a prayer of power? That is a prayer of transformation. Lord, I am calling the kingdom of heaven down into this area in our lives. And it is not as it is in heaven. So Lord, come and make this as it should be, as you designed it to be. What a prayer of power that God has given us to change everything around us. So we bring calling the kingdom of heaven into the things of earth, the rule, the reign, the design, and authority of God. What a glorious prayer God has given us. Do you see how this is more than just words we're throwing out there? This is a way to care. This is a way to think. This is a way to live. This is what we should be concerned with. So then we pray, give us this day our daily bread. And I'm thankful for that because that's something that all of us, we probably all of us pray for those things. It's to pray for your finances and your bills and your stuff. But you notice that we have a very holy mindset in the way that we pray for stuff. And we, the way that we pray for provision. Today, our daily bread. There's two powerful things in there. The first is, is even to make it through today, just to even survive today, I need you. It's an acknowledgement, God, I need you. To even just to eat today, God. Even just to breathe, I need you. And then the second beautiful thing that comes from that today, our daily, is, and you know what? I trust you for tomorrow. Do you notice that he doesn't say, okay, and pray, um, God, if the food chain supply, if that goes bad, make sure we have enough to eat. He doesn't say, give me my food for tomorrow. He doesn't say, give me my bills for three months from now. Lord, I just, today, take care of me. And listen, you can pray for, for your future. You can pray for, you know, am I supposed to go to school? Or what's the plan? It's, it's good. You should pray for those things. But see, the Christian life is an experience of every single day walking in faith, walking in trust, walking in obedience for that day. So if God says, yes, I want you to go to school, you don't sit there and say, okay, well, when school ends, then it begins. Wrong. See, so you come into school and say, all right, here I am. Give me this day my daily bread. Give me my faith for today. Lord, give me your will for today. Give me my assignment for today. Lord, whatever you want today, let me be about it. Let me be in it. Let me seek your will and do your will for today. Another thing I've heard about this line, I, I like it. It says uh, that this is a prayer not for your greeds, but for your needs. We pray for what we need, right? Okay, that's awesome. So we bring that to our prayers. And then it says, now forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And debts is just a, an archaic word for sins. Forgive us our sins. So in all your prayers, in every prayer, never forget this. Ne never forget this. Sin is the biggest problem. Listen, in your life, in this world, your biggest problem is sin. Our biggest problem is sin. Why did Jesus come? Did he come so we could have a better economy? 
Did, did he die so you can find your career path? He died to take away your sin. He died to remove your sin. That is the biggest problem. So much so that Jesus came to die for it, to take care of it. And see, the Christian walk, what we see in this passage here, in this prayer, the Christian walk is continual humility that we may actually be wrong. So it's to come before me. Listen, there have been plenty of times where I'm like, I think I'm doing God's will. I know I'm right. And then I pray about it and I'm like, oh no, I'm wrong. That's sin. And it even gets more complicated because I was like, I thought that was God's stuff and it actually was my stuff and my flesh. And then I need to repent. See, see, the walk with God is a continual openness to his conviction. It's to pray, Lord, search me, show me. Is there any offensive way in me? At all times, Lord, I am just open to your conviction. I could be wrong, Lord, and I want to know. And I want to know because there's life in repentance. See, the Christian walk is also just always ready to repent, to respond to his conviction with repentance, which just means to turn the other way. I was going that way, that's a sin. Not doing that anymore. Wow, I use God's name in vain all the time. Not going to do it anymore. It's a sin. I'm going to change that one, right? That's all it is. Show me, Lord, and I'm not going to do it. Why? Because sin hampers your life. It hampers your walk. It hampers your prayer. Always, always be ready to deal with sin. I mean, Jesus says, if you got this offering, I mean, think about that. You're up there, you're kind of doing the thing. You're in the temple, like doing what you're supposed to do. You have an offering. You're about to bring it. You've been waiting all day. And you're finally, you come in line. You finally get to the front of line with thousands of other people. They take your offering. You're about to place it. And he says, and if you remember that your brother has a, an offense against you, leave it. Go deal with your sin. Go take care of that thing. Right? That sacrifice, all these things you do for me, I'm not interested in it until you take care of the business I want you to take care of. And then we see that, that the forgiveness we receive is it's inextricably linked to the, the forgiveness that we give. Look what the great theologian John Stott, this is what he says about it. I love this. So if you'd show that quote for me, please. It says, once our eyes have been opened to see the enormity of our offense against God, understand there is no little sin. The injuries which others have done to us appear by comparison extremely trifling. If, on the other hand, we have an exaggerated view of the offenses of others, it proves that we have minimized our own. Not good? So now, I think that some people have taken this and, and, and there's a theology that would say, well, unless you forgive everyone, you're not going to go to heaven. Unless you forgive everyone, you can't be forgiven. I, I don't think that's what this passage is saying. I think what it's saying is that if you don't forgive everyone, how can you work out your own forgiveness because you don't understand how much you need it? He's showing that, that if you're withholding forgiveness, there's a problem with your ability to receive forgiveness. You don't understand what God is doing and has done for you. And we know we're forgiven, so it's gonna flow out from us. We're gonna have to give it because we know how much we have been forgiven. And, and I, I, I want to preach. I'm thinking I might need to preach on forgiveness again. I, I, I have, it's a, it's a message that's so important. I've preached it a number of times here, but if you haven't heard it, I just want to give you just a few quick reminders. First of all, I want to remind you that forgiving someone else is not saying what they did was okay. It wasn't okay. It was wrong. It was a sin. And it's not forgetting. You're going to remember it. But you know what? When you forgive, you reframe it. It actually has a different hold on you and a different power and you look at it in a different way. 
And so when we come and forgive, what we're really doing is we're letting go of our right to hate, our, our right to have revenge, and our right to be paid back. That's what it is. And it's to say, the cross of Jesus Christ is enough for me, and so it's going to be enough for them. It's enough for this sin that they did, and I'm going to turn it over. The cross is enough. And let me tell you one other thing. Forgiveness is not a feeling. It's a decision. You choose it. That's why when I, I'm working with someone and they can't forgive, I just say, say it out loud. Say it right now. Say, say, I forgive. He's not even in the room, but just say, I forgive Larry for stealing my promotion. I forgive him. That was mine. Forgive him. You just speak it and you decide it and you keep deciding it and you keep deciding it. And no, you know what happens after you decide it after a while? Your heart starts to feel it. It's a choice, okay? All right, I'd love to preach on that sometime, but we're gonna move on. All right, so then the next part is, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And I want to remind you that God is always at work in your life, and so is the enemy. The enemy is always looking to steal, to kill, to destroy. And listen, if you have never seen or touched evil, I, I assure you that the enemy is out there. He is working. And you know what his number one goal for you is? It's to get you to sin. Remember, that's what it's all about. That's why Jesus came. And if he can get you to walk in sin and continue in sin, there may be a day where you just decide that you'll just continue on in your sin and turn your back from your loving God. Because sin and God don't mix, right? So that's what he is doing. He is tempting you. His biggest win is to tempt you into sin. And you know, there's all sorts of problems and issues that a church can face. And we, we faced a number of problems. But you know what the worst ones are? The worst ones are the ones that are caused by my sin. Right? I mean, I don't want any of those ones, but most of all, I pray, oh God, do not let me sin in them. Oh Lord, let me walk in the path of righteousness and integrity. Oh, you know, if as long as I'm good with God, I, I mean, I don't want to go through everything, but I can. I can go through anything as long as I'm good with God. If I could just say, oh, and I still have you. I mean, there's great comfort for me if I can say, no one else, no one else, God knows that I did the right thing, but you do. I mean, that's not where I want to be, but I can be there, okay? But you know what a terrifying place to be is? It's terrifying to say, no one else knows I did the wrong thing, but you do. I don't want to be there. That's a dangerous, terrifying place to be. So we ask, oh Lord, show me my sin. Lord, protect me from temptation. These things that pull on my heart, they have such power over me. I'm just, you know, pride is always pulling, Lord, but, but, but no, please God, keep me free. The enemy wants to, that little hook, he wants to grab onto that hook he has of me. And then, Lord, would you please just cut it and set me free? And then if, uh, you'll notice it's not in your Bible, but then if you've prayed the prayer like I have, uh, Time and time again, you end with what's called the doxology. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. And the reason that it's not in your Bible is because the oldest, most accurate manuscripts don't have it. And so most uh, scholars uh, believe that that part was actually added by the church about 150 years. And so that's a beautiful thing about your Bible is that it goes back to the oldest manuscripts and they're given authority. And so you don't have to think like, oh, wow, well, this Bible's been changed and, and moved. No, that's not what they've done. They, they go back to the oldest manuscripts and, and they use the ones that are like as young as 90 AD. I mean, right after they were written, just like copies, one or two copies away from the originals. 
And, and so we go back and that's not in there. Now, here's the thing, is that it's fine to pray that. You don't have to stop praying that part of the Lord's Prayer because you can find a scriptural basis for every single one of those things. Those are all true and they're all good. And they were brought in to kind of bring a nice closure in the flow of the prayer, okay? So, that, so that's how that works. So what we're going to do right now is we're going to end with the Lord's Prayer. But we're not going to pray it just by rote. We're going to pray it as a model, okay? So here we go. Let's pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Okay, now stop. Now, tell them who he is. Tell them what you're thankful for. God, you are my daddy. God, you are so close. You're my protector, my provider. You are my love, God. You're my reason. God, I thank you for how you provide for me. I thank you, Lord, for your goodness. Go ahead, just tell them right now. Tell them who he is. Tell them what you're thankful for. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, pray that God's will would come into your life. What problem needs to line up with the kingdom of God? Lord, we just ask that in our families that your kingdom would come, that your will would be done. Lord, at my work, let, let your kingdom come and your will be done. That problem right now, that thing that's not lined up with heaven, go ahead, pray, ask God to line it up with heaven. Lift it up right now. Maybe that part in your heart. All right, now give us this day our daily bread. Tell God what you need. God, I need wisdom. I need your guidance, Lord. I need discernment. Tell him what you need right now. forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespassed against us. Now I ask God, show me my sin. Holy Spirit, show us our sin. Thank you, Lord. God, I repent. I turn from my sin, Lord. I turn to you. I'll do it your way. Lord, now ask, is there anyone I need to forgive? I release them, Lord. I let go of my right for revenge. I release what they owe me. The cross is enough for them. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Lord, show me the places where I'm weak. Show me where I'm at risk. Show me the places where I'm prone to, to wander. And Lord, I pray that you would just help me and strengthen me. Lord, show me the gates to build, the fences to build around that, Lord. Lord, I pray for help and freedom that you change my heart. 
Protect me from the evil one, O Lord. Ask him to show you. And O Lord God, for thine is the kingdom. Thine is the power, the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. So we're going to jump into worship, but I, I feel like I need to do one thing before I do that. And I just want um, to make sure that you know God as Father. And if there's anybody here who hasn't given their life to Jesus, who doesn't have that relationship, who didn't know, like you thought maybe it was about religion, but it's actually about relationship. It's about walking with him and talking with him and being with him. And you didn't know that Jesus came and actually to die for your sins, not because he wanted a good boy and a good girl, but he wanted a dear, close child, a son and a daughter. So I'm going to ask you just to close your eyes right now. Is there anybody here? Just raise your hand. If you want to give your life to Jesus. Right now, if you want to give your life to Jesus, just raise your hand. I just, I just feel like uh, there may be a person out here right now who needs it right there in the back. Praise God. Anybody else? There's another one over there. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for bringing them home. Another one, a third one. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Anyone else? There's another. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that we can have that relationship with you. And so now, if you raise your hand, just pray this. Pray this prayer with me. It's the beginning. It's the start of this relationship and this walk. Just say, dear Jesus, I admit that I'm a sinner. And I ask for your forgiveness. I turn away from my sin. I turn toward you. I give you my heart. I give you my life. And I'll walk with you for the rest of my days. Thank you, Lord, that I am saved, that I am yours. And now, Holy Spirit, I ask that you would fill those four up, Lord, who have raised their hands, who've given their lives to you. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would teach them what it means to be a son and a daughter who gets to cry out, Daddy. And I pray that you would help them in this walk, that they would move forward. God, that they would grow in you, Lord, that they would walk in you, and they would move in your power. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's welcome our brothers and sisters into the family. Amen. Praise God. All right, let's stand up. Let's give him glory. Let's give him praise for all that he's done. Thank you so much for being with us. I hope that God spoke to you. We would love to follow up and care for you any way that we can. So come visit us at gracemontrose.org. Say hello. Let us know what we can do to help you grow in him. God bless you.